well, don't trip, don't fall. Just making sure the lights came on and distracted you, David. <laughs> well, hey, good morning. Hope you guys are having a great morning so far. Um, my name is Luke Weishart, and I am the high school pastor on staff um, at Grace and, and our Fremont campus is where I serve. Um, and it's a privilege to be with you guys this morning. I've been up here several times, um, and I'm, again, excited to be here this morning. Um, my, my wife uh, grew up in Oregon and, and so grew up around this area, uh, went to Clay, um, graduated from Clay. And then I went to Fremont all my life. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a little giant. Uh, until I die, and then, uh, but I, I love uh, love high school sports, um, uh, mainly because I work with high school students. But man, I always love when Fremont gets to be able to whoop up on Clay a little bit. Um, it's just a little bit of pride in me. I always brag it to my wife. I'm like, man, we're just a better school. Um, heck, heck, nah, you know, who knows? But maybe athleticism. But there's a lot of things. Uh, but it's a great time being here with you guys. Um, I grew up again in Fremont, and then I went to college in Georgia um, in the Blue Ridge Mountain area. Um, and while I was there in school, it was a small Christian college um, there, and I, I graduated from there had a, with my degree in biblical studies. Um, but my freshman year in college, it was a, it, there was an experience I had, and it's something that sticks with me to this day because it was a kind of... Just crazy time. Uh, played a little bit of soccer when I was in college. My roommate, he was a he was a basketball player. He was a big dude. He was he's like six five, um, and so way taller than I am. And then uh, I was on a hall of all baseball guys. So there was a bunch of freshman baseball team players, and and so we were a very um, competitive hall. We took everything really serious, um, and we were always agging each other on. And then there was a day that we hear this rumor that the upper class baseball guys, they went up on top of this mountain right off, right on our campus. Um, and they went up on top of this mountain, which was a, a dirt roads that you had to take to get up it. And so it was all this uh, mainly uh, off-roading kind of like trucks. And, you know, they, they had their southern boys. They, they had some nice vehicles there. Um, and so they... Uh, they were, went up on top of this mountain, and they found a guy living on top of this mountain. And when they found him, he was dressed in all black, and uh, they got scared, and they came down the mountain, and then they started telling this story that they found this guy on top of this mountain. And so we hear this rumor, you know, because we're connected to the baseball team, because I was on that hallway. Uh, and so I'm hearing this rumor, and the campus is starting to hear this rumor of this strange guy living on top of this mountain. And you know college guys, right? And especially guys that take things way too serious and we're a little bit competitive. We decide our plan is to go up on top of this mountain and take care of business. Um, and and confront them um, and do whatever we need to do is get rid of this guy, right? And that's our plan all along. Um, and we're just, we're cocky. We're confident. We got this in the bag. There's a bunch of us. We're, you know, we'll just load up several vehicles, like a caravan. It's a military mission, practically, that we're, we have a, a truck, a Jeep Wrangler, and a truck. And, and then my, my buddy, the truck I was in, is the front truck. 
and they gave me a baseball bat. I was feeling good. I was like, I can do anything with this little bat. Like, I can swing it, and it, it was feeling really, I was feeling confident, you know. Um, I was with all these guys. We did have a few ladies with us, and so we put them in the Jeep Wrangler in between the two trucks. Um, and, and then uh, we had... Uh, this truck I was in, it was really cool. It had like a window that came down right in, into the bed. So we were co- talking to the driver and the guys in the truck the whole entire time. Uh, but we uh, decided we're going to go up. Now, I'm in the bed with one other guy. He's one of my friends. He was a southern boy. Uh, and he always carried a pocket knife with him everywhere he went. He always had this plan in his mind that someday he was going to need his pocket knife. Um, and I tell you that there's a reason. Um, and as we start going to this mountain, um, I'm on the edge of the truck, and we get to the bottom of this mountain. There's a gate, so we have to get out. It's dark. It's late. Um, and we open the gate, and we start this journey up this mountain. And uh, kind of just to set the scene a little bit is this mountain, it, it was all dirt road. It was bumpy. It was not really travelable really well. And so as we're going up it, also the woods are caving in on us. Like they're, they're touching the edges of the truck. And so we're just now down inside the bed and we're just hanging out. And we're looking around. We finally get to the spot on, on the mountain that the driver, who was the guy who saw this guy just a few days before, um, he's like, hey, this is right around the area that we saw him. So hey, pay attention. We got we to gotta be on alert. And right about this time, there's also a switchback in the mountain. They're on this road. And on this switchback, right in front of the kind of the switchback, as the road turns this way, there's a, the first time there's any kind of opening, all right? Um, and that opening, the brush is coming up, but it, it's an opening. And so as the truck is coming up to make this turn on the switchback, the lights start to go through this opening, and all of a sudden you see a figure. And so we come to a complete stop. And this is, here's the guy. We found him, finally. And he is in completely standing still, looking down, black hood up, all dressed in black, just looking down. And I'm, I'm not kidding you. It, it's like a horror movie was in the making, and I was confident in that moment that I was going to die. Um, like, all my co- confident, before we even went up on top of this mountain, it was like way up. It was high. I was thinking, you know, we got a ton of guys. There's like 30 of us going up on this mountain just confront this one guy. We got this. Then I see him, and I'm like, nope. Like, no. You know that movie, the, the commercial where the guys, is, what is it, State Farm, where he's, they're saying, what are you, the, the guy with the chainsaw, and they're like, he's hiding, anybody with me? And then they, all the people are in the barn with the guy and with the chainsaw. It's just, yeah, it's just terrible ideas. And, and so this is like our terrible idea. Let's go confront this guy. So it's not a good idea. And as we're sitting there, we're, it's taking some time. We're all sitting, talking. We're like, hey, what should we do? Should we get out? Hey, stranger guy, what you doing? This is our campus. <laughs> you know, we're like, there's, there's nothing going. It's just our confidence slowly going down. Um, and as we're sitting there, we finally we were like, okay, we all started agreeing. It's probably not a great idea. Let's start to get out of here. So the last truck, we finally get the communication back to the last truck. Hey, just turn around. 
Um, let's start heading down the mountain. But remember, the, the woods aren't really tight, so it's taking a while. It's like they, they have to go forward, to go backward, to go forward, to go backward. It's just this, all this pivoting to finally get, they get fully turned around, and they're waiting for the, the ladies in the Jeep, and then the Jeep does it, and, it, and it's taking a while. And finally, it, it's our turn. And I'm like, okay, whew, it's our turn. We get to to get out of here because I'm scared out of my mind at this moment. And, and then it, it gets worse because um, as we start doing the pivoting, now the guy, you, the headlights aren't on him anymore. So he's like, he's already dressed all in black. Now I hardly can see him. I'm like, my eyes are trying to adjust. I'm like, is, what, is he, what is he doing? Because that's my job. I'm supposed to be in the bed of the truck. I'm supposed to be watching this dude on top of this mountain. So I'm watching him. And then it gets to the backside of the truck where we're still doing it. But now it's the brake lights, which is even more of a horror movie in the making. Because now this guy in the brush who's standing there like this, not looking at us, not moving, he's now lit in red. And I'm like, nope, let's get out of here. I'm more not confident about this. And then I can tell you, I'm at the backside of the bed. Like, if this is the bed, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, I got my little bat, and my buddy at this point has dropped his bat. He has pulled out his pocket knife, and I'm just like, really? Like, the bat is probably a way better idea. We can at least double team on him, but he's like, I got my knife. Um, and the brake lights switch to reverse, you know, and all of a sudden he goes from red to now he's lit up in white. And in that moment, he goes from stead still looking down at the ground to like scary mu music playing in the background. It wasn't, but it was playing in my mind. And, and it was like, like, like the screech, you know, in the horror movies. It was that screech in my mind as he just slowly, smoothly looks up at us. It's like from here to here. And I'm like, I'm done. Um, and in that moment, my buddy and I, we jump and start hitting the truck on the top of the truck yelling, go, go, go. Because in the same exact moment, the guy went from here to here. Now he is booking it and he's running right after us. He gets to the point of being like six feet behind our truck because the road was really rough. It was bouncing. Uh, but we are smacking the truck as hard as we can, just screaming, go, go. Like, I am praying in that moment. Like, you know, the prayers where you're just like, God, if you can get me out of this one time, I will never do anything wrong ever again. That was my prayer in that moment. But I'm hitting the truck, and all we ever knew in this moment in this, is the rumor was there's one guy. At the same time, I'm thinking, hey, we're getting a little, we're creating some distance because I'm doing the great job of yelling, go, go, go. And so the guy's getting away, further away from us. But the, if this is the woods and I'm in the truck, all of a sudden a second guy dressed in all black comes out of the woods and he's like right on top of us. Um, again, I think we sa I saved our, our lives because I was screaming, um, go, go, go. And, and finally, we start to slow we, get, we start to gain ground on them, and we, we start to lose them. Um, and I then start having the feeling, okay, there's two guys. We always thought there was one. Now there's two. What if there's a whole army? What if they have this game plan? They, they were trying to get us back on this mountain to kill us. It was like it's sabotage. Okay, now there's a gate at the bottom. What if that's closed? And I'm, I'm my full, all my confidence in this one moment just went out the window, right? It's just gone. I was cocky. I was confident. And 
out of here. And we get to the bottom, at least the gate was open, and we finally get back to my dorm room. My roommate and I, he, he was in the truck that I was in, but he was inside truck and he's a big guy again and we finally get back to our dorm room and that night was the first night that we've ever had where we sat and we both agreed we're locking the door tonight um we are not letting this we're on the third floor like there's a lot of people he had to go through till he got to us but we are like lock the door he might know it was us um and so we locked the door um Several days go by of us kind of being in this panic of, should we go back up? What should we do? And we're just all talking. Um, then we hear another rumor that the upper class baseball team guys, they decided to pull a prank on the underclassmen on the baseball team. And it was just a few baseball guys dressed in all black. And the driver, in fact, was a guy who was an upper-class baseball guy. So he was just laughing inside the whole entire time. I'm just in the bed going, go, go. I just look like an idiot. But it's all right. The whole point I tell that story is this. It's so easy for us to lose our confidence. Um, yeah, I could tell you that over and over again, just about whatever might be coming in our life. Maybe a breakup. Maybe difficult moments in our life that happen. It's so easy for us to be shaken because of those moments. So easy for us to lose our confidence in God in those moments. Now, obviously, because of sin, we can lose our confidence in God. But there's stuff that happens in our everyday life that sometimes can affect our confidence. And so we're in this series of Fan of Faith, and it's, we're talking about how can we know that we have real faith, true faith. And it's not fake. And one of those things that we can see in our lives that shows that we have real faith is that we have confidence in God. Through the worst times in our life, our confidence isn't shaken in Him. See, our confidence, it comes from our hope that we have in Him. Our hope. In, uh, in our student ministry on Wednesday nights in Fremont, I was actually teaching this last week on, on hope in, in, out of 1 Peter um, and Hope, I was studying just the phrase, the word hope, and I was looking at all of these times in the New Testament. It's never, it never takes place in the New Testament where hope is something that's unsure. But that's how we use it today, right? Like, if I ask the question, um, will the Browns win the Super Bowl? <laughs> we, all, we all agree on that, but I think a Browns fan goes, right, I hope so. It's because we all know it, the answer is no. <laughs> but we can have a, we can desire a future thing to come true. And so the hope that we use in our culture and in our world today is a hope that is unsure. It's a hope that we want some future thing to come true. We desire it to come true. But every time in the New Testament the word hope is used, it is never used the way we use it. It's used as confidence. I know that this is going to happen because of who says it's going to happen. 
I know through my hope, because of what God has said, I know it will come true because of who Jesus is. And if we have real faith, if we truly belong to him, and we, we are given hope through him. Hope. So how can we know our faith is real? Because when we have decided on Jesus, put our faith and our trust in Jesus, the person of him, what he has done for us, he gives us hope. Or how First Peter says it, he gives us living hope. So it doesn't go away. It, it's ours. And through that hope, he gives us confidence in him. Confidence to do three things. The first is this, that we will wait with confidence. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 and 3 with me for a second. It says this, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has hit this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. You know, First John is a book that most people go through, and it's not necessarily a super encouraging book. It's a challenging book, but it's not a super encouraging book. But as we're reading this, it's a good news for us. As someone who is a child of God, someone who has trusted in Jesus, is saying, if you have your hope, Fixed on Jesus, one day he's going to return. One day he's coming back again. And right now we aren't what we are supposed to be. We have struggles. Every single day we have struggles. You and I, we have struggles. Anxiety, worry. We have struggles that we're not enough. We don't feel like we're enough. We have struggles that, oh, oh, what is my purpose? We have struggles of sin, struggles. But this is great news for us because it's saying, hey, when Jesus appears, yeah, we're right now, we're not what we're supposed to be, but when he appears, if we have truly decided on him and we have real faith, when he appears, we will see him just as he is and we will become pure. If we have hope in Jesus, trust in Jesus, if we have decided on him, there's something unspeakable, something unimaginable that happens that John is telling us about to build our confidence in God. Right now, we, we can't imagine what our life would be like without the daily struggles that you and I, we go through. There's, but there's something we get to wait for, right? We get to wait in confidence because there's going to be one day we don't have to struggle anymore. We don't have to go through this daily struggle anymore. We don't have to struggle with our sin anymore because when he returns, we'll see him just as he is, perfect, holy. We'll see his love for us just like Harold was talking about last week, that we all go through that sin struggle. It's going to be done. That's great for us. 
but because we understand as, we, as we're waiting, real faith causes us to wait, and real believers who are waiting, we wait with confidence. Because we know what's to come. We know the best is yet to come. But that doesn't mean right now we just uh, exist in our struggle. Because we know that this is coming one day. We want to get right now. We want to get fixed up right now. We want to start dealing with our sin right now. We want to start dealing with our dirt. We want to start cleaning up our lives now. Because we hold on to the promise that he's coming back again. So we don't wait to get cleaned up. We start dealing with our junk now. It doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. But we start purifying ourselves now because we know our God. We have our confidence, our hope in him. So we start working on our lives. We start to demonstrate change because he is at work in us. That's what real faith does. Real faith causes us to wait with confidence because we know the promise that he's coming back again. But real faith doesn't just wait. Real faith also causes us to pray with confidence. Look ahead a few chapters. In chapter 5, it says this. This is the confidence that which we have before him, that if we ask according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in, what, in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. Did you catch it? Anything. Anything we ask, he hears. That's, that's, that's crazy. I was thinking about this this morning because I was reading back through my notes, and as I studied this, it hit me. But this morning, it was just hitting me again, and I was asking myself, what was the last thing I prayed about? Like, John's going here. He goes, anything, anything, everything. We could take it to God because we know over and over again in Scripture, God calls for us to cry out to him. With our anxiety, our worries, he cast our anxieties, our worries onto him because he cares about us. He loves us. He's there for us. But he doesn't just stop there, right? God doesn't just say, hey, take the ugly, the bad stuff. He does, and that's great stuff. That's great news for us because we don't have to carry that. But he also says, hey, come to me in, in, in thankfulness too. It's the good, bad, and ugly. Whatever is going on in our life, everything, we should come to God and pray about it. Talk to God about it. Because real faith, we turn to him, praying with confidence because we know this, that he hears us. Our hope in him should have changed and affect the way we pray. It should challenge us to want to pray more, not pray less. It should challenge us to take anything and everything before him. I like the way Isaiah says it. It says, it will also come to pass that before they call, before we even pray, I will answer. 
And while they are still speaking, I will hear. It's, it's not like God's sitting back and he, He's waiting for us to answer. He's saying, before you even pray, I will answer. And while you're still praying, I will answer. Man, He's going to immediately answer us. Because I think a lot of times we, we sit and pray and, and, it, and it feels like, man, God hasn't answered me yet. Where's my, where's my, the answer to my prayers at this moment in time? And something kind of good, because it, it, if you looked at John again, John said, if it's according to his will. And so it's, it's not God, God is answering us. God is answering our prayers, but if it's according to his will, it's a yes, but if it's not according to his will, it's, it's maybe a not yet. Like for me, when I was in college, how many times I prayed uh, asking God for a, a wife, a girlfriend, and at that moment, it wasn't a yes yet. God's blessed me with that now and blessed me with a two-year-old little girl. She's insane. But at that moment, it wasn't a yes yet. It was, Luke, you got to wait. Because my confidence wasn't in him. My confidence was in my timing. I want God, you, I want you to work in my, my, my way. But it wasn't his will yet. He always knows what's best for you and for me. He knows us. He knows every little thing. He knows the deepest parts of who we are. What, can, what could energize us to pray more than the fact that God is asking us here in John, he's saying, pray about anything, everything. Come to me. Pray. And you know what? I hear your prayer. And if it's, if it's according to my will, it's a yes. And it's, not, oh, it's, not a, it's an immediate yes. And if it's not according to my will, I still have a plan for you. And guess what? Because it's not according to my will, it is the better thing for you than what you're wanting at that moment. That's great. It's good for us. That should build our confidence in God. He knows what's best for me. I, I know for a fact, I don't know all the time what's best for me. A lot of the decisions I make are dumb ones, right? And as I sit back in time, I realize sometimes those decisions weren't the best. But when we open our mouth, God moves. Our prayers are answered, not tomorrow. They're answered immediately. And if it's according to God's will, it's a yes. So he's asking us anything, everything we're dealing with. There's nothing too big or nothing too small. He's saying come to him with it. I think sometimes we think either God uh, doesn't care about the, the too small prayers or God doesn't, can't handle the too big of a prayer. But he's saying anything. That means not, there's nothing too big, nothing too small. God is all powerful. He's all knowing. He's all loving. He knows what's best for us. 
Take whatever it might be and take it to Him. Because that's what real faith does. Because where our hope is in, is in Him. So our confidence makes us want to turn to God and pray. Because God is not just sitting back in heaven playing some game with our prayers. He's not just trying to figure out which ones He wants to answer and which ones He doesn't want to answer. He's not playing some cosmic game of darts. And if He hits bullseye, it's a yes. It's not the way God operates. God literally knows what's best for us. And it's hard to imagine That's where when we trust in God, when we truly have decided on Him and have real faith in Him, our confidence because of our hope and our sureness of Him goes, okay, I'm going to take whatever it is. I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't know what the answer will be. But you've called me and told me to come to you in prayer. And so I will. Again, I don't know what could maybe change our prayer life any more than that. That he said everything, anything, come to him. Don't see it as a, as a checklist. Don't see it as just as something I have to do. See it as God is wanting a deeper relationship with you. And so we come to him in prayer. Real faith makes us pray with confidence and wait with confidence. But it also makes us live with confidence. Look at 1 John chapter 5 where it says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This victory that has overcome the world, even our faith, who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Just a chapter earlier, John says it like this, You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He who is in you than he who is in the world. If we have decided on him, put our trust in him, same, you've overcome the world. Not because of your strength, but because of his. Like, we can't overcome the world by our strength. It's not possible. But because of God, because He is perfect, because He is all-knowing, all-loving, He's saying, hey, whoever has come to me, you can overcome the world through me. Let's talk about being obedient to God. This is obedience to Him. This is a win for us that in our faith, simply trusting in Him, That we are overcomers. So whatever today might look have has looked like, or whatever tomorrow may look like, or whatever the past has looked like, if we have real faith, we can live with confidence because of what John says here. You are overcomers because of Him who lives inside of you, and His power, His strength. He through Him. He helps us overcome. It's only through the hope that he gives us that we can have the confidence to live as overcomers. Heard an illustration. Um, the Air Force, um, they use this thing in their survival training they, called the Rule Threes. 
And so in their rule threes, they teach it like this. In a survival situation, you can last three weeks without food. You can last three days without water. You can last three hours without shelter in extreme conditions. And you can last three minutes without air. Okay? And then it goes on and says, but you can't make it three seconds without hope. Here's the Air Force. And they're going, hey, you can have all the, 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 the training to get you through, to figure out how you can hunt or how you can uh, find water, how you can build shelter, how you can uh, try to figure out how to get more oxygen in you. But you can't make it three seconds without hope. And we live in a world, right, that's walking around without hope. It's not, they're walking around without confidence, because they don't know where their eternity stands. So they're shaken. They're shaken by things that sh- shouldn't shake us. Because we get the hope. We get the security of knowing God, the creator of this world, who loves us, who has called us to bring our worries, our anxiety, our cares upon him, to come to him in our gratitude and our thankfulness towards him should it should affect the way we wait because we know he's coming again I got this hope that my savior is going to return and one day I won't have the struggles I have now I get a, I get to look forward to that I get the hope I, I have the confidence that's going to happen And that one day because I have put my faith and trust in him and I've decided on him I know one day I will spend eternity with him forever. It's nothing better than that. It's not that, that, but right now I get the confidence to come turn to God with my daily struggles, with the great things, and I get to pray with him. Talk to him about what's going on in my life. But then I, I can live out in confidence my faith. Not because of my strength, because that will always fail, but because of his, that will never fail. And if someone who has real faith, our faith will draw us to want a deeper relationship with him. Pastor Harold, he, he talked about s- several things last week that we can see how we know we have real faith. We enjoy connection to him. We stay sensitive to sin. We, we love others. We love God. We love others. Those are great things and things that show us that we have some fruit in our life that it shows as evidence that we, we might have real faith. But it's also the confidence that comes from knowing Him, the, from the hope that we have in knowing Him that causes us to wait with confidence, pray with confidence, live with confidence. For some of us, maybe the reason we're struggling, even if we, we, we believe we have real faith, because we lost our fix, we lost, we lost our focus on the hope that comes from knowing Jesus. 
If I could challenge you this morning, it, it would be to, and, and when we close in the song in a second, to recommit your life to Him. To get your life right with Him. Your relationship with Him. Get it back in order. Come to God with anything and everything. Talk to Him about it. But it doesn't stop there, right? It's then leaving Grace Point this morning and living it out every single day, your faith. And wanting a deeper, intimate relationship with Him. And I obviously, there's, there's probably in this room, there's someone maybe you, you haven't. You don't have real faith. You don't have the confidence that you have the real faith. You don't, you're not assured of that. This morning, you can leave Grace Point this morning and you can be sure that you have real faith. And it's as simple as this, ABC, admit, believe, confess. Admit that you're a sinner. You're broken. You're in need of a Savior. And we all can agree on that this morning. When we run our life, it tends to where we find ourselves in ruin and broken. So we can turn to God and say, God, I'm I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I I need help in my life. And we believe that Jesus died on the cross. The reason He came to this world is to take our sin Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. The penalty of our sin is death. We deserve eternal separation from God. But the reason he came is to offer a way to be made right before God. That if we would trust in him, decide on him, we would be offered new life. And in that new life, we promise eternal life. And so see, we confess that we want him to become Lord over our life. And once we do that, we are told we are made new. We are forgiven. You can leave making that decision this morning, being confident that you know the creator of the world and the creator of the world loves you. So I challenge you, don't leave here this morning without making that decision. And if we know Him, let's live in our confidence in the hope that He has given us. If you guys would, stand with me and let's pray.